Well, hey guys, thanks again for joining us today as we continue in our series, How Not to Be Your Own Worst Enemy, uh, where we've been talking about kind of the harmful behaviors uh, that we all tend to develop in our life and have, and with God's help, how we can overcome them. So we spent the first two weeks talking about pride, and uh, it's something that can kind of damage all of our relationships and how pride is unbelievably difficult for us to identify in our own life. We can't see it in the mirror, right? That's why we spent two weeks talking about pride, and you can go catch up on that at any time that you want. Today, I want to talk about something that I think is equally as powerful and certainly has damaged a relationship for you. I know it has for me at some point, and that is this undermining behavior, my harmful use of words, how I use my words, uh, what I say and how I say that. Our words are very powerful. So as we start talking about the use of words, uh, I want to share kind of three things that I feel I know about almost every single one of you, even if I've never met you and I don't really know you all that well. The first thing is this. You use words. Seems obvious, right? But uh, in other words, you talk, right? Uh, here's some interesting statistics about how much it is that we talk. If you are a male, all right, in, in a 24-hour period, the average male speaks 7,000 words a day, all right? So 7,000 words a day is how much, uh, you know, you guys speak. Now, some of you guys speak a little bit more than that, and I know some guys that do, and some of you guys speak uh, maybe quite a bit less than that. But on average, uh, a dude speaks about 7,000 words a day. Now, if you're a female, and I'm just delivering the research, okay? I'm not making any comments about this. But the average female speaks, come on, work. There we go, 20,000 words a day, right? Now, there's a difference there, obviously, 7,000 to 20,000. And uh, this may speak to some of the difficulties you're having in your relationships. Because if you're a guy, you may have used 6,950 of your words by the time you get home from work. She may still have 13,000 words to go when she gets home from work. Right? There's a lot of words that had to be said. So this is just the reality. Not a good thing, not a bad thing. It's just what it is. And obviously, this is just a general study, so it may not be true of all of you. Some of you speak less. Some of you speak more than that. Uh, this is just kind of average. So what I mean with all of that is our days, no matter how many words you speak, are filled with words. Every moment is infected with words. Every relationship is dyed with words. Every circumstance is stuffed with words. We have words. You could say that we're wordish people. Now, in the book of Proverbs, which we're using as kind of the jumping off point for this whole series, Proverbs has an unbelievable amount to say about our words. In fact, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of different verses that talk about the power of our words. But let's just look at this one here. You've probably seen it before. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences, right? Proverbs 18, 21. That's powerful. The tongue has the power of life and death. In other words, in every single one of your relationships, you're either bringing life into that relationship with your words or you're breathing death into your relationship with your words. Every day we are doing that. And here's the way that I would say it if you want to Think of it in these terms. Words give life. Words bring death. You choose. Right? Words give life. Words bring death. You have the power to choose which of those you're going to do. And man, 
That is a powerful, powerful choice that every single one of us have in every single relationship that we have. Your words can bring life into that relationship. Your words can bring death into that relationship, and you get to choose. So this means that you've never spoken a neutral word in your life. You haven't. Every one of your words are living. Your words are breathing. Your words are giving direction. And either your words are moving in a direction of life or they are moving in a direction of death. Now, if your words are moving in a direction of life, that means that your words are speaking things like encouragement or you're speaking hope or your love, joy, peace, instruction, wisdom, correction. You are bringing life into everything that you do. If your words are headed in the direction of death, that means you're speaking words of like anger and malice and slander and jealousy and gossip, division, racism, violence, judgment, condemnation. These are things that bring death. All our words, they either heal or they bring damage. And for the last two, years, two weeks as I've been prepping for this message, the thing I've been praying for our church is that we would take our words seriously. That we'd speak more words of life and less words of death because our words matter. Our words count. So, thing I know about you, you use words. Second thing I know about you, your deepest pain and your greatest joy have been accompanied by words. All of us remember in school the phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, right? Whoever said your words will never hurt me is a liar. And as we just said, words are powerful. They can be painful and awful, or they can be amazing. They can bring joy. They can help. They can hinder. They can hurt. They can heal. In fact, talk is not cheap. Words are quite expensive. Words cost something. Every word you use has a price tag. With words, murders have been initiated. Divorces have been sealed. A child's self-esteem has been shattered. Words can in friendships, splinter families, shatter reputations, split churches. Words are powerful things. And I'm telling you, the saddest and most celebratory moments of my life have been accompanied by words. And I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. Some of you, if you think about it, you remember that day when you were at school and that group of kids called you fat or ugly or stupid. Those words have shaped a lot of who you are today. Some of you remember the day your dad called you stupid. Some of you remember the moment that your ex looked you in the eyes and said, I don't love you anymore. Right? Some of you remember the day that that teacher said, you will never amount to anything. And this is scary, right? There's just painful, long-term shelf life to the words that have been spoken to us and spoken over us. So... What I know about you, you use words. And the second thing I know, your deepest pain and your greatest joy was accompanied by words. Third thing that I know about you, your words have caused you a lot of trouble. <laughs> right? Your words have caused you a lot of trouble. And uh, I know this about you, not because I know anything about you. Maybe some of you, I know some things. I know this because I know me. And I know that my words have caused me a lot of trouble. Right, think about it. Is there anybody here that would be comfortable with me playing back a recording of every single word that you said in the past week? Anybody up for that experiment? 
Like, I, nobody, no, nobody wants that, not even me, right? I wish I could tell you that I'm proud of everything I have ever said to my wife. I, I wish I could tell you that I'm proud of everything that I have ever said to my kids, but I'm not. In fact, I'm embarrassed by some of the things that have come out of my mouth, things that have hurt my wife, and, and I'm sure that they've hurt my kids. We've all had conversations that we wish we could go back and changed, right? We would do anything in the world if we could remove what we said from somebody's memory, right? But they heard them, and they're there, and words are powerful. And I'm not just talking about in-person words, right? Now with social media and comments, there's a, a level of distance from, the, from real people that has created kind of a level of sarcasm and hostility that I just really believe we would not engage in if we were talking to somebody face-to-face, so our words are powerful. They can cause us pain, and they can also cause us joy. And if we aren't careful, they can get us into a lot of trouble. Now, from here, let me show you a really powerful passage where Jesus talks about this whole idea of words in the book of Matthew. And in this passage, Jesus has given us some insight into this whole issue of our words and where they come from and how we use them. And for context, Jesus has just healed a blind man, and there's a group of people around that, that are saying that now that they've seen this, that Jesus gets his power from Satan. So imagine that there's a TikTok video of Jesus healing this demon-possessed blind guy. And in the comments, there'll be people that are giving God all the glory for this amazing thing that they've seen. But also in the comment, there is the trolls, right? And they start spreading a lie and a rumor that Jesus is getting his power from Satan, and they're doing all that down in the comments, right? Now, obviously, they didn't have TikTok back then, but the same thing is going on. There's a group of people that are basically saying the same kinds of things. Hey, this isn't amazing. Uh, Jesus really is just demon-possessed or working for the devil. So he addresses them. And in this passage, we get some great insight into what Jesus thinks about how we use our words. So... Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read this from a translation called The Voice. And it says, Good trees produce good fruits. Bad trees produce bad fruits. You can always tell a tree by its fruits. So right off the bat, Jesus starts with an illustration that I think we can all understand. Uh, when I was a really little kid, my granddad... Uh, lived out in the country in South Georgia. And on his land, he had a lot of different fruit trees. And when I was like three, four, five years old, it always amazed me that he could walk out to a tree and he could tell the difference between this tree and that tree, apple tree, pear tree. And at five, I could tell only when there was fruit on them, right? Apple trees had apples, pear trees had pears, plum trees had plums. And it was really obvious because an apple tree wouldn't produce plums. So Jesus is basically saying the same thing. If you're ever confused about a tree, just look at the fruit that it produces. It's a dead giveaway as to what it really is. So he goes on, he says this, and he goes on to make a connection from here about trees and fruit to our words. You children of snakes, you who are evil, how could you possibly say anything good? For the mouth simply shapes the heart's impulse to words. And so the good man, who is filled with goodness, speaks good words, while the evil man, who is filled with evil, speaks evil words. So, basically, let's talk about this. Jesus is teaching us that there is a link between our heart and our outward actions. That there is a link between what is in my heart and what I do 
on the outside. He's saying, hey, some of you have a mouth problem, right? Uh, Or you think you have a mouth problem, but actually what you have is much worse than that. You don't have a mouth problem. You have a heart problem. And whatever is going on in your heart over time is going to come out of your mouth just like a tree produces fruit. And all of us have seen examples of this, right? For example, have you ever said something and thought, oh, my gosh, like, I, I, I don't know where that came from. Jesus is saying it came from your heart, right? That's exactly where it came from. So he's saying, hey, you could try really hard to focus on your mouth. You could try really hard to produce apples. But if you are an orange tree, you're always going to produce oranges. The problem is not the fruit. The problem is with what is going on on the inside. So you could use all of the willpower you have and say, I'm going to work so hard on my mouth, and I'm going to work so hard on not saying bad things to other people. I'm going to work hard to not say hurtful things. But if there's no heart transformation, no matter how hard you work on your mouth, eventually your mouth is going to follow your heart. And this is something that, that is, is just huge. It's a game changer in my life because it applies to so much more to our words. What Jesus is getting into, and this is really important for you to understand, it's an important principle. And honestly, it's one that goes against uh, something that we would think when it comes to spiritual transformation. It goes against kind of how I was raised. But the principle is this. If it'll go there, let's see, here we go. Heart transformation is greater than sin management. Heart transformation is always greater than sin management. Our tendency as humans is to focus on outward actions and appearances. And maybe you grew up in a church culture that was like this. Like there seemed to be all these rules about your behavior, but nothing changed in the heart. So you can see things like, like I saw just a couple of weeks ago, took some kids to Passion Conference in Atlanta, and, and there were all these, ang- I'll call them angry Christians that were lined up with signs and bullhorns, and they're warning people about God's judgment and you know, God's wrath and all this. And at the same time, they are ignoring, and in some cases, even belligerent to the needs of the homeless person who was approaching them. Right? We, we don't do this, though, just in a religious context. Right? We, we see someone at work. And they have all the outward signs of success. They've got promotions, they've got the accolades, they've got the high salaries. We assume that they're good. But in reality, that person might be dealing with like a, a lack of personal fulfillment or burnout or dissatisfaction in their home life. Or you, you might be someone who's doing what society says you need to do. You're doing all the right things. You exercise regularly. You eat all the right foods. You dress for a certain image, yet somehow... All of this external focus has created an underlying mental health issue like anxiety or depression or low self-esteem. Anytime we just focus on the external things or we focus just on our behaviors instead of what is going on in our heart, we wind up creating even more problems for ourselves. This is why sin management, when we talk about spiritual growth and things, sin's management does not work. Sin management is about controlling and modifying external behaviors, right? You're trying to modify your actions without addressing the underlying attitudes or beliefs. It's kind of like treating the symptoms rather than the cause. And this is why Jesus goes directly to the heart issues rather than focusing on the outward actions. And this is critical for us to understand. 
If we're going to actually live out the rich and satisfying life that Jesus promises, and this is critical if we're going to have any kind of spiritual transformation, we need to know that God's goal is a lot bigger than us not saying mean things. Like, that's not the goal. Here's what I would say. God's goal is not that we just avoid sin. Right? And, and maybe we were brought up this way. That was the problem with the Pharisees. And really, that is the problem with legalism in general. Right? God's goal for creation has never been that we just avoid sin. God's goal has always been bigger than that. God's goal is that there would be an explosion of love and joy and grace in our life. God's goal is not that we just avoid sin. God's goal is heart transformation. God's goal is a lot more than not saying mean things. God's goal is a lot greater than us just avoiding sin. Because I believe as devastating as your words can be, they can equally be as life-giving if used the right way. And that only comes when there's heart change, not just some obedience to a rule. You understand what I'm saying? You see, there's an element of power to every one of our words. As part of what I want us to understand is that that doesn't come by accident. Our words can bring hope and healing, but that only happens if they're flowing from a heart that has hope and healing on the inside. So now, let's take what Jesus is saying and tie it to something that Paul says to the Christians in Ephesus. So if you've got a Bible, you can go to Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay, this isn't just about actions. Right? And I want you to think about your 7,000 to 20,000 words, however you speak in a day. How many words does this part of this verse cut out of your day right there? Right? How, how many of your words end negative? He's saying, look, don't even go there. So don't let any un, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. If you want to think about this for a second, in Paul's writing, there's an assumption that in your relationships, his assumption in your friendships, in your marriage, in your relationships at work, there is an assumption that you're going to build others up with your words. And the assumption is that you know what their needs are. Because he's saying according to their needs. He's assuming you're going to say great things and you know what the needs are of the people around you. Now my guess is that for a lot of us, we don't really know what the needs are of the people that are in our relational world. We spend so much of our time doing our thing that we don't genuinely know the needs of the people that are in our circles. But here's the thing. You can't use your words to build them up according to their needs if you don't know their needs. Are you following me here? So, the expectation for all of us in all of our relationships is that we have an element of awareness that we're listening to the people that are in our life so that we can use our words to build them up according to their needs because we actually know what their needs are. And that only comes when we allow God to transform our heart, not just focus on some external sin management approach to our words. And this is very important. So I'll tell you a little secret. And this is true of your spouse. This is true of your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your neighbor, your coworker, your roommate, your kids. This is true about the person that's sitting down the road from you right now, right? 
no matter how well put together they appear, no matter how well put together that it looks like their life is, this is what is true. Everyone needs encouraging words. Everyone. Right? I don't care how well put together you think that they might be. Everyone needs encouraging words. You have no clue what the other person might be going through today. The beauty is that you actually have inside of you something that can bring encouragement and healing into their life. That is your words. Your words can help people find out that there's a God who loves them. Your words can help people find out they matter. Your words can help people find out that they have value. Your words can help people find out they have a purpose in life. Your words have the power of life and death. So I want to wrap up by giving you a really practical thing that you can do starting today. And I'm going to do it in the form of two questions. First question is this. Who has God put in my life? I want you to ask, who's God put in my life? And as you ask that question, uh, maybe you just write down the the five most important uh, relationships in your life. And I I know it's hard to kind of rank people in relationships, but when you ask that question, who has God put in my life? Just think of the most important people. Who are the closest to me? Who's the people that I really care about the most? And then just write down those names. Who has God put in my life? What do they need to hear from me? What do they need to hear from me? Go down that list, each and every person, right? What is it they need to hear from me? For example, when's the last time you looked at your wife or you looked at your girlfriend in the eyes and just said, wow, I I just need to tell you, you are an incredible gift to me. Uh, And and I know what you're thinking, guys. Well, she already knows that, right? It's not about whether she knows it or not. This is about the biblical principle that your words have power. So when you speak those words to her, there's this power that comes along with it. And ladies, when's the last time that you sat down and you looked at your boyfriend or you looked at your husband and you said, hey, I just want you to know, I believe in you. And you might think, well, he knows that. I mean, he knows I believe in him. I mean, he's great at everything that he does. I mean, everybody gives him high fives. He's the bomb. I mean, he knows. It's not about whether or not he knows. It's about the unbelievable power of your words. Parents, when's the last time that you told your daughter that she was beautiful? When's the last time that you told your son, hey, you have what it takes? Those of you that are parents of adult children, could I just encourage you, never stop saying it. Never stop saying it. Some of you, you lead businesses or you lead teams at your business. When's the last time you told your team that you couldn't do this without them? You say, well, you know, we pay them for that, and that's what bonuses are for and that kind of stuff. Look, I used to run a consulting firm. I get it. There's power in money. There really is power in money. But there's also a power in words that can never be replaced by money, okay? This is what we're saying here. And I know some of you are at a horrible disadvantage because you grew up in a home where words were not used in this way at all. So for some of you, when we start talking about sharing encouraging words to somebody, it just kind of freaks you out a little bit. You're like, well, what? I mean, my dad never used those kind of words for me, or I'm just not comfortable with that. Hey, I get that. I understand. And I want to say two things to you in that instance. Number one, I'm just really sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that you grew up in that kind of environment in an environment that now you don't know how to use your words in an encouraging way. I, I'm sorry and I'm sorry that it makes you feel uncomfortable. That's the first thing I would say. The second is 
It's your choice. It's your choice. You, if you choose comfort over using your words of encouragement, that is a tragic choice. And at some point, somebody has to break the cycle. Why not let it be you? How we use our words is important. Let's pray. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. And thank you for all the insights about relationships uh, because it is so easy for us to mess them up. And wow, this really is a wake-up call to realize how powerful our words are be. And I know our enemy, he, he just wants to heap tons of guilt and shame on us for how we have messed up with our words. But God, I know you didn't bring us together just to make us feel bad about ourselves. That's not what any of this is about. What you really want is for us to understand that sure, we may have missed the mark with our words, but that's not a final thing because you are always about giving us another shot. No matter how much we've messed up before, you're the one who can change any habit and any pattern that's in our lives. You're not about uh, creating, uh, or you're all about creating healing and giving strength and courage. Some of us, we need to live, leave here totally changed and understanding the impact of our words. So God, we need your help for this. It's not about trying harder. It's not about uh, handing our, it's about handing our lives over to you. So here I am, giving you my words, asking you to use them to lift others up. Help me to use the words you've given me to heal and encourage others. May we all be transformed because of you and your son. We pray it in Jesus' name. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message uh, might be valuable to somebody you know, uh, would you mind sharing this video? Maybe that's some words that you need to share. Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking and subscribing to this channel that you're on, it kind of helps us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And there's another thing that really does help us uh, accomplish our mission and continue to produce content like this. If you would head over to our website at nextlevelchurch.org, there is a give button that's there. Just know that when you choose one of those giving options, your faithful support helps us to create content like this, and it helps us in our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Now, by way of benediction, let me read to you that passage again uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So, as we go forth, may your kind words be seeds of kindness and encouragement, flourishing in the hearts of those who hear them, and benefiting all who listen. Hey guys, have a blessed week. I hope we see you back next week as we wrap up this series with another important topic. We're gonna talk about our friends next week, and I'd love to have you here. God bless you.